The Marvel Cinematic Universe shows no sign of slowing down anytime soon. Coming hot off the heels of Disney Plus's success with WandaVision, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier soared into the living rooms to continue the stories of Captain America's two biggest supporting players. Now fully in the spotlight, these heroes paved the way for the future of the MCU and evolved as characters in their own right. So today, on this episode of Script or Screen, let's check out this series and what it means to be the symbol of freedom. Well, Zach, here we are again for another week of the wonderful show, Script or Screen, in which you and I, together, make happen on the internet uh, in addition with uh, the help of our lovely editor, Billiam, how are you doing today? Are you asking me or are you asking Billy? Oh, well, I suppose it's an open-ended question. How are any of you doing today? Well, um, I'm doing well, and Billy, I'll leave this silence for you. I'm doing well. I actually... Oh, thanks, Billy. That was a lovely response. Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Welcome back to Scripture Screen. New week, new episode... Uh, again, a lot of great material coming out these uh, these last few weeks. I just feel like Zach, we've been we've been getting a lot of good stuff, good content. Let me tell you something: we are not starved for entertainment uh, in this day and age. Um, I'm actually uh, right in the process. I'm I'm late to the party, but uh, I I am in the process of uh, watching through season one of Invincible, uh, which if you haven't seen. Pretty, pretty cool. Not, not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's pretty interesting. You know, I, I've been hearing this is like interesting that Amazon, because it's I believe it's Amazon Prime and this whole mm-hmm. studio that's been coming out with this show alongside their other like kind of off-brand superhero material, which is um, what is it? The Boys. Uh, the Boys. Now, is is Invincible based off of like an existing comic, or is that all original to them? It is, uh, no, it's, uh, based off a comic. It's based okay. off a series, uh, written by Robert. I, I think he's the main writer. He may be a co-writer, but Robert Kirkman of the walking dead fame. And, um, oh, okay. That's interesting. It was a long running series. I think it ran for like 15 years or something, uh, from 2003 to 2018. And, uh, so I, I knew about it before the show, but, uh, I never read the comic. And so, getting into it now uh it's it's interesting it's it has moments where you, where it's it's brilliant and then moments where you're like wow this is not great but uh i'm enjoying it but actually contrary to what i've uh, kind of led us on this is not the invincible uh podcast no but episode. still it's, i would say it's still on theme superheroes it is. and everything today we are talking about the falcon in the winter soldier both uh, as, of them together. But, yeah, finally, at last. Um, this is awesome. You, yes. Let me tell you something. I uh, was flipping through TV the other day. Uh, by the other day, I mean like, literally a couple of days ago, um, knowing full well that we were going to record this episode. And uh, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, was on TV, and I caught it right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And seeing like the introduction of like Sam Wilson and the reintroduction of Bucky uh and knowing where eventually those characters will go now that I have you know seen uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier all the way through I'm like man it's crazy to go back and see like where these characters you know kind of got their start yeah 
So I think and now you know what's interesting and yeah, pretty much. What's interesting enough though, I think, is that like I want to say the amount of time that passed from that film to now, it's it's kind of weird, right? Because it's just we saw them in Civil War, we saw them in both mm-hmm. Infinity War and Endgame, but it's like the moments between some, you know, I guess between Civil War. Oh, and I guess we you also saw kind of uh, Sam Wilson at least in uh, Ultron, huh? You know, and Ant Man. Oh, and Ant Man, Jesus. So maybe there was a bit of avenging <laughs> in between all that, but um. He's uh they're they're in definitely in different places of their lives. Uh and we're gonna get into that. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Um but I just want to uh I'm gonna stop for a second and do a little housekeeping. Um because Zach, you and I and Billy, we have hit a milestone. This is oh. this is really, really awesome. We we launched Scripture Screen in like the late summer of last year, I guess early fall. What would you consider it? Um, I forget the the month even that it's our uh, first episode came out. That um, time, exactly. And to this day, we have finally reached a thousand plays on the podcast as the last episode publishing. Um, wow, we. And you know what? I want to just thank everyone and everyone who's ever listened since September fifteenth. So I guess the fall um, of of last year. Uh, we uh, really appreciate you, and uh, yes. we are glad. If, if you're one of the establishing listeners, uh, thank you for joining us yet again. If you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, there's a bunch of other content for you to catch up on, and it's hours, literally hours. Um, yeah, so good, uh, good we haven't said it in a while, but we appreciate your ears, and uh, it's it, it boggles the mind that, uh, you know, uh, at people have listened to us at least a thousand times. Bingo. So that's pretty cool. Um, and with all that being said, if you would like to listen to Scripture Screen, you can go to our website at www.scripturescreen.com and, or anchor.fm forward slash Scripture Screen and find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That's I, They're literally all there. Apple, Google, Amazon, I heart me, uh, our, excuse me, I heart radio overcast, all these, all these things. Um, additionally, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, regarding the show, or you want to keep up with us on social media, you can go to us at scripture screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and check out all of our postings there and see whenever we have a new episode up. And I got to say, Zach, you and I do a great job on the scripture screen, uh, stories on Instagram. Sometimes I, I have to say, I prided myself. In, in our posts. I think you and I, I do a good job with the music, with the little, with the gifs or gifs, however, you know, whatever <laughs> end of the spectrum you're on. Um, it's like a canvas and, and you, you get all these tools to work with and, you know, uh, how, how can you not be expected to just, you know, play it up big? Every post is a masterpiece in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, thanks for listening and uh, here's to another we'll episode. see you next week. even better so the falcon and the winter soldier zach what was your overall impressions before going into the series what were you looking forward to what did you want to see well so i was looking forward to obviously seeing what direction our two title characters uh were taken in Uh, i knew going into it obviously we were gonna get 
the return of an antagonist from a previous Marvel film who I'll I'll save who I'm talking about until we get into the cast but uh, I was looking forward to that and I was looking forward to seeing what Disney and Marvel could do with uh, on, on a television scale even with that kind of a budget uh, mm-hmm. and getting into it um, I would say overall, I very much enjoyed it. It's not to say that there weren't moments where I felt that that did not land as hard as they should have. Um, And things where I go, hmm, this kind of reeks of of rewrites or reshoots or something. But, But for the most part, I did enjoy it. I thought the character work was very well done. The action was cool. And um, I think it handles a lot of things very maturely that you really don't see in this genre. Yeah, I, I want to say for me, out of all the, the Disney Plus Marvel series that they had announced, um, you know, like in the last two years, this was probably the one that I was looking forward to the most. Um, because I, I couldn't imagine that we would get some weird spin off of this. However, I will say at times it did feel like this was not the show I was promised. Um, and that's me as a fan getting my expectations too high, which I try not to do, but I did. Um, but overall, I would say the product that we were given uh, was pretty great, and I don't have many complaints. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the last thing that we saw in Endgame, spoilers, uh, was Steve hand the shield off to to Sam, and even Bucky there, like saying, like you know, or I, I guess he didn't say anything, but. I, th- I believe uh, he gave a, an affirming nod. Exactly. You know, like, this, that was an important moment, and I couldn't wait to see kind of what happened next, you know, because when Sam had the shield, you have, like, the, you know, all these different ideas, like, these storylines in the comics, like Civil War Two, you know, and, and just all these other things that it's like, dude, these are iconic Sam Wilson, Captain America moments. Um, mm-hmm. And then to come to find, like, the... Uh, the curveball that they threw us like kind of opening up to the show. I was like, you know, I, I was into it from the start. Um, so yeah, it it definitely had a very interesting hook. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, and I definitely want to, uh, dig into that particular hook, uh, as we pretty early into when we get into it. But, uh, I believe, I guess, you know, what you're saying is overall, you really liked it. I, I would say, uh, as the product, uh, it, dude, there were a lot of great moments in this that I, I feel like it was finally time for Marvel to go into this direction. Um, you know, both, like, thematically and also, you know, some of the imagery that was produced in this. Uh, I think it will have yeah. long-lasting effects in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, I mean, in pop culture as a whole, like, for years to come. For sure, for sure. Um, so how about this? Want to hit them with uh, that old synopsis? I will. And you know what? I, I'm going to go back to IMDb for this one. I just feel like the what they have here, uh, you know, it's a little vague, but it's it's all we need for the setup. Uh, and of course, you know, if you haven't seen the show yet, it's available all episodes on Disney+. Plus. I think at this point we're, we are going to get into a little bit of spoilers. Um, sorry if you were expecting more of a non-spoilery discussion, but come on. Go watch it, then come back to listen to us. I promise you, you will not regret it. So, 
The synopsis. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Sam Wilson, Falcon, and Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, team up in a global adventure that tests their abilities and their patience. Hmm. What do you short think about that one? And short and to the point, uh, yeah, it's good. It doesn't, it doesn't give too much away. Sometimes the, the true mark of a good synopsis is it tells you just enough that it makes you want more. Uh, without without ruining any surprises, I, I would say overall, like that's exactly what I needed to know. Kind of going into the first episode, you know, when you think Definitely. about, you know, I talked about like the reintroduction of the show, um, the patience of these ca- characters is super tested when we find out that like not only are we not starting off with S- Sam Wilson, Captain America, but we're also not starting off with like the winter soldier you know right right both of the like winter soldier is gone that is not bucky barnes anymore um and sam wilson retired the shield and left it you know untouched untainted uh gave it back to the government you know as if it were government property to begin with right which i guess technically it's stark property technically it's the property of whoever the owns the thing that's true um, so here, let me, uh, let's, let's go into kind of the, the, uh, the people behind the scenes, uh, give them the credit they deserve because, uh, you know, they, they did a pretty, pretty fantastic job here. Um, so general info, obviously streamed on Disney plus its original run was, uh, March 19th to April 23rd, 2021. It yep. started literally two weeks after WandaVision ended, so there was not... I couldn't ask for a better turnaround than that, honestly. There was no downtime, practically. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, because this was supposed to roll directly into Loki, uh, and then uh, Disney kind of reshuffled their cards a bit. Um, But I think think they finally... They put out a big trailer where they're like, this is our schedule, and goddammit, we're sticking to it. Actually, so, until like a couple, like a week ago, they announced that Loki's now going to air like a week in, before. They said it was going to for, for the longest time. Right. Um, yeah, now on Wednesdays instead of Fridays. Yeah, I guess that's fine, you know. Yeah. Um, so budget, just like WandaVision, is estimated about $25 million uh, per episode. Still just, uh, just a baffling amount of money. But man, they uh, they the show looks great. I don't, I don't think know. there's I feel ever like a that, point. That budget is too much at times, honestly. I, I feel like there are a lot of scenes, and I'll, I'll talk about it later on. Um, that did, I mean, wh- like how where? Else, where? How else could they afford these swanky, you know, vaguely European uh, rooms for everyone to stand around in? I and, honestly, can I be a little honest here? I don't even think it had to deal with. The production design, maybe the CG, in some of the, the bits, but I I feel mm. like uh, some of the the actors took took more of it than anything. Maybe else. it could so. be, but um, so the showrunner was Malcolm Spellman, uh, and just looking at uh, his previous stuff, he worked on Empire as writer. Uh, he did Truth Be Told, and uh, and. What is this? Our Family Wedding with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Okay, um, cool. So, he, he's... I, I, I like Marvel w- when they look at somebody who's maybe you wouldn't think of, like, action 
spectacle and they tap them because they want to add like a little something special to to their to a series or to I, a show. I was, I was going to say, isn't that what they did with their last uh, Captain America franchise holders? Well, yeah, uh, exactly. The, the, so the Russos. Yeah, the Russo brothers. They uh, they definitely went straight from community to this universe. It's funny so. though because because they say you know uh, the one thing community was good at. I never really was a fan of the show. Not for lack of quality or anything, but mainly because I just never sat down to watch it. But mm-hmm. um, it's a big cast of characters, and they all have very diverse personalities. So it was a good kind of... They, they, they had the experience of taking a bunch of characters and giving everyone a moment. So yeah. I think that's what made them a good fit for this. And I'm sure if I went and I... You know, checked out Mar- uh, Malcolm Spellman's uh, previous works. I'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, he definitely like." I can see why they wanted to tap him for this, uh, yeah. and I think you know he did a good job uh, with this. And he obviously he served as one of the head writers for the series. Uh, the director for the entire uh, six episode run was uh, Carrie Scogland. Scogland. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'll say Scogland. I think that's she. Good. She has worked on just tons of shows. I mean, she's worked on Walking Dead, Handmaid's Tale, uh, The Punisher, Boardwalk Empire, Vikings. Ooh, so. Does it say which season of The Punisher, or she like all The Punisher? Punisher. Like one and two. She, I saw the I saw the she, first season, and I I did enjoy that. It's funny because it says she directed episode four of season one. I only got three episodes into that series. Oh no! <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? I didn't end up watching season two, but I really like season one. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I hope that Marvel can, can find a way to work back in John Bernthal as Punisher. They're going to have to cool it on some of the, the violence, though, because that show gets gets kind of intense. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Um, but uh, written by Malcolm Spellman, uh, Michael Castellian... Derek Kolstad, Dylan Moosen, and Yosef Sawyer. Um, and I would say, if anything, for the most part, I think the writing on this series was uh, gr- good, at times great, and at times a little... Absent? <laughs> you know, you know how it yeah. is. Yeah. And lastly, we have music by Henry Jackman. Um, listen, there is one piece of music composition in this whole thing. For the most part, I thought it was fine. Like it was a lot of kind of military, uh, spy espionage style, uh, uh, score, but I have to give Henry Jackman credit for, uh, episode two's opening, which was the marching band cover of Star Spangled Man with a Plan. Yeah. Which was fantastic. It is. It is a, a great tribute, uh, and uh, and also a wonderful rendition of the song. So mm-hmm. it was. That's... And hey, that that was a song. That song was nominated for an Academy Award back when the first of uh, Captain America: First Adventure came out. Oh, I didn't so, even know that. That's pretty cool. Yep. So uh, then we've got our we've got our lovely cast. Uh, a bunch of a bunch of. Real, real great people here. Have you seen the, uh, the what is it, the the TikTok or the clip of Anthony Mackie talking up Sebastian Stan on the red carpet? 
I have not. And he's just like, he's like, oh my gosh, it's Sebastian Stan. <laughs> that's, I, that uh, sounds like him. Yeah, I like, They have you a know, great camaraderie in all their, uh, well, I, well, I just love seeing them in interviews whenever they're doing yeah, interviews. Yeah, they're, they play off each other really well. You can tell that Marvel really pushes for, like, you know, they want these people to be friends in real life, so you get that chemistry when they're, you know, on screen together. What, what if they just absolutely hate each other and um, <laughs> off screen? I don't know. I, I don't think there's ever been a case of that with Marvel. I know some other shows and movies where I've watched where I've heard that the actors could not stand each other uh, and it made uh, like filming in, scenes a little tough. Like in Friends, when uh, Chandler was you know off doing the, uh, the drugs and the alcohol and he'd be an asshole to other people on set. You ever hear oh, those I stories? don't know. No, I've never watched Friends. I, I don't watch Friends. <laughs> Well, now uh, you know. I was thinking more of like how apparently Charlie's Theron and Tom Hardy uh, hate each other, and so filming Mad Max Fury Road was kind of like intense at times. Anyway, we've got this wonderful cast. We got uh, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon, aka spoilers, Captain America. That's a pretty cool guy he got right there. Yes, I. Uh, uh, it was nice that they didn't recast him. Or uh, you know, have anybody else play? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good. Was that ever a, a risk know, that they no. would recast him? Well, I mean, you never know with uh, with your Don Cheadles and your. Uh, well, your, that's because Terrence, Terrence Howard Malick's, wasn't. Or is I was Terrence, Terrence Malick? I meant. Terrence oh Malick. my God! Could you imagine if Terrence Malick played Rhodey? That'd be <laughs> that would be bizarre. I, I don't know if I want to. So then, the other the other side of the coin, we have Sebastian Stan as uh, young Mark Hamill. No, as James Buchanan, Bucky Barnes, aka the Winter Soldier, aka kind of the White Wolf. Um, that they apparently they wanted to end the series calling it Captain America and the White Wolf, but they said no. It's got to be about Captain America, not you know Bucky has to take the back seat. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's all right. He still does a pretty good job. Uh, he yeah, gets a lot yeah, of he... like really great character moments in this. Uh, so I'm not gonna. I, I like his development a lot. Definitely, definitely. Uh, next, we have the second of the Russell family to grace the MCU, following uh, Kurt Russell in in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It's his son Wyatt Russell as John Walker, aka. U.S. agent. I was so looking forward to this. I don't know if you watched this uh, this movie. What was it called? Um, oh, the one uh, Overlord. Overlord. I really liked White Russell in that. Um, not he to was mention good in that uh, he was also in like Twenty Two Jump Street as a as a small role. But like, I like that he finally has something where he gets a lot more substance uh, and development himself. He's probably one of the strongest characters in the entire series. For sure, um, and I, I also I saw him. It. I also saw him in um, an episode of Black Mirror. Oh, I didn't know he was in Black Mirror. Yeah, well, in one episode. Oh, okay. But uh, then we have uh, Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, who is the leader of the Flag Smashers. Uh, I, I only other thing I know her from is uh, she played one of the she played one of the characters in Solo, a Star Wars uh, what, story. What was the name of? Um... Of, of the character in, in Solo. She was like the Enfys Ness 
That's what it was. Yes. yes I'll tell you is. what, Empress Nest had a really cool design. Um, but I feel like they changed actors or performers from beginning to the end because at one point I thought Empress Nest looked a lot taller. And then Carly Morgenthau, or I guess that's not her name. Um, <laughs> um, excuse me. Erin Kellyman. She reveals the helmet, and I guess we get like a, a look at her. It's like, oh, you look a lot shorter than you did earlier in the film. So Check was, the camera. Yeah, I was not entirely sure what was going on here. Um, but yeah, I like her a lot. Um, I hope we continue to see her work. Uh, she was, yeah, she did a great job. Uh, next we have uh, Frederick Zoller himself, Daniel Bruhl, who's uh, who I was alluding to in in my kind of like how I felt about the series as a whole. Uh, but uh, he is here as Baron Helmet Zemo. I um, love Daniel Bruhl. He's a very very talented actor. He's fantastic. And yes. everything I've seen him, I watched. There was this show that he was on in, in TNT, The Alienist. Uh, he's Ooh, very good yes. at that. Um, he's, I mean, on my first introduction to him was in Quentin Tarantino's *Inglorious Bastards*. Um, fun fact: that is my favorite Tarantino film. Um, no, there you go. But I absolutely love this man. He is just—he does not suck in anything. So he was, when, he, yeah, he was great in *Inglorious Bastards*. He was really good in um, oh, what was the movie? Um, oh I'm my god, *Rush*. I'm, Rush, yes, where he played uh, Nicky Lauda. I, I also liked him in Rush as well. Um, very good, very excellent actor, and back again as Zemo following a Civil War. And so also, was... he is an internet meme sensation. That's right. Thank you uh, uh, to the Falcon and Winter Soldier for that opportunity. For And thank you to Marvel for releasing an hour-long cut, uh, the Zemo cut, <laughs> to to just take the absolute piss out of a, a movie that takes itself way too seriously. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, next, we have another uh, MCU alumni, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, a.k.a. Uh, spoilers, The Power Broker. You know, I'm not sure how I feel about that latter part, but you know what? I uh, I was happy to see her again. I actually didn't even realize she was going to be in the show again. More so than, like, I know we got Daniel Brühl's announcement a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we probably got hers earlier, too. But at the same time, we had not heard, uh, you know, about her since Civil War. Um, so the, the use of her character in the show, I think, uh, does some really great things. Yeah, yeah, she she was good. I mean, it was cool to have her back. Um, just in in uh, in general, I think it was it was uh, cool. She had some kick ass scenes and stuff. But uh, we'll we'll talk about more about kind of her inclusion and where they're taking her character a little yeah. later. Um, yeah. We have Clay Bennett uh, as Lamar Hoskins, aka Battlestar. Um, this is an interesting character because, uh, you know, Bucky used to, back in the day with the comics, used to be kind of like the Robin. He, you know, he was the boy sidekick of Captain America. But, like, the I, the character of Bucky was almost interchangeable like Robin. So there were multiple Buckys. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Hoskins was a Bucky before he was Battlestar. Um, obviously, Bucky is a real human being in this series. So... They they just skip straight to Battlestar, uh, but you know, I thought he was pretty cool. 
Also, I, I, if you look at his Wikipedia, he's like as unnamed man in Captain America 323 and as Lamar Hoskins in 333, 10 inches later. Um, and then as Bucky 334, Jesus. Like, they they really went through this guy's life uh, in just, what was it, a year of or two years of comic book publishing? Oh, my God. They, uh, they, they tried him. Well, you know, that's... Sometimes they, sometimes they, they, they do that kind of thing. I, I wasn't familiar with, um, with Battlestar. I was just vaguely familiar with U.S. Agent, um, mm-hmm. but Battlestar, I actually had no idea who he was. Yeah, I had until the show. Yeah. Um. But uh, let's see. Oh, here's a, here's I think kind of like the last big, big, big character to talk about, and then the rest are kind of just side characters. But uh, Carl Lumbly as Isaiah Bradley, a name that is just, like, drenched with, with a lot of, a lot of bad blood from the history of this world. Um, and, and kind of like a secret history of um, Marvel itself. It's, you kind of put it to me, really interesting words before the show, but you said it's almost like life is imitating art, you know? Yeah, so, um, I definitely want to talk about that, I think, like, pretty pretty quick but i know uh you you have that interesting kind of thing that you saw in the article you want to talk about and i definitely want to give you a chance to bring that up let's just quickly rattle off of the last few members of this and then we'll just we'll dive into this the this uh the series yeah. uh so we got danny ramirez as joaquin torres he's just sam's military friend the big thing is he is like the second falcon so i'm sure uh, down the line, he will don the wings again. Uh, I said again for the first time. Yeah. And he will be, he's like a golden eagle falcon. So that's kind of cool. We have uh, Florence Kasumba returning as Io. I thought it was really cool that she has been uh, reprising her role since uh, Civil War, I believe. Which is cool because with a force like the Dora Milaje it's easy to just kind of like, hey, let's just, you know, they can kind of almost be faceless. They're just a, a cool task force. And the only one that really matters is Okoye. Yeah. Um, who's Denai Guerrero's character. But having I don't know. They, they, they gave her a lot of lines in Civil War before Okoye was even in the picture. So I was surprised when we didn't even see her in, um, in Black Panther. She, well, I, I don't know if she's not in Black Panther, but I, apparently she is in, uh, uh, what's the, Infinity War. So, oh. I have to go back and check, but, you know, um. there was a lot of actors or, or characters that were cut from Infinity War that had, like, scenes. Like, I know, like, um, Kraglin from, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, he filmed a he bunch of scenes. He is in Endgame. Yeah, he will, he's in it, but you, he doesn't get any of the scenes that. He filmed as Kraglin. He just has his mocap as Rocket, uh, or at least so, Sean Gunn. So actually, just just uh, saying, uh, just checking, she did show up in Black Panther and Infinity War, but not in game. Oh, she was in. Well, I guess she was snapped. Um, but <laughs> she was in Black Panther. I don't remember seeing her. But it's cool that that you know the Dora Milaje are given like you know. The, like Io is another member, and I'm sure you know. Given enough time, especially with uh, them announcing Black Panther: Wakanda Forever as the next uh, film uh, following the first Black mm-hmm. Panther, 
uh, which I understand will focus more on the the people of Wakanda since uh, we have had to kind of they've had to change gears with the untimely tragic death of Chadwick Boseman. But hopefully we'll get to see Io be a bigger role in that film and we'll get to see maybe learn more members of the Dora Milaje and they won't uh, all kind of just be faceless, nameless people. I want to, it's cool that they all have their own personalities, names, etc. The last, last person who I think is worth mentioning is uh, randomly appearing Julia Louis Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. I don't even know what this is about. Like, I have no idea very, where this is. This seems like a very niche thing. Do you know she's anything a very, about her character? Just that she is like, I, you know, in my brief research, uh, she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, HYDRA agent. She's a mystery person. Apparently, she was fo- first supposed to appear for the MCU in Black Widow. But oh. because Black Widow got delayed or something, they put her in this. I don't know. Look out for her in Black Widow, because maybe she'll pop up. Uh, I think they're just kind of they're stacking the the deck so that way, down the line, it'll feel like they had a plan the whole time. Yeah. Because, <laughs> spoiler alert, Marvel is really good at making it seem like they had a plan this whole time, but they almost never do. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, we'll see. Maybe they're they're saving her for later. Maybe it'll be kind of like a... Uh... What was it like the the I'm trying to think the Netflix Marvel shows they're trying to tie everybody together with like that one character um but you know oh, Rosario Dawson yeah not Rosario um, Dawson but like the uh the lawyer woman uh what oh, was yeah. her name I uh, forget her name her name was oh, I knew this I forget it's but, irrelevant uh yeah <laughs> anyway uh, I think the first thing let's touch on is, because uh, I know we we kind of alluded to it, and I think it's maybe one of the more most important aspects of the show, but uh, let's talk Isaiah Bradley. Let's talk about, uh, there's this uh, interesting bit of information you wanted to touch on regarding Isaiah Bradley from an article you had uh, shown me. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this, this show, and I guess about kind of, we're now being put into this, or at least we're given a lot of the superhero content that we now have a lot more context for, uh, rather mm-hmm. than just like superhero, you know, um, from comic books to like the screen. Like we are giving uh, it. Uh, I mean, with all the background of like what's happening in all over the world, like politically mm-hmm. and and just with other programming, like the Watchmen series that came out like a year ago, it mm-hmm. all just seems like perfectly timed uh, and also perfectly aligned with everything that's going on. I don't know if I'm saying this right. <laughs> it's I'm it's read... topical is what you're saying. Yeah, it's topical, but it's like, it's also really satisfying for us to be able to like, for the, the creators of these shows uh, to be able to like capture these stories um, there's a and, yeah. And, there's definitely a natural uh, a national discourse that's going on that I feel like these shows you're able to broach sometimes difficult subjects. Yeah, uh, and and also like kind of create more empathy uh, in the audience because these films these these I mean 
their shows now, but like these programs, they reach a wide audience. And, you know, if there's a way we can bridge gaps between uh, misinformation and, you know, um, ignorance, then this is the way to do it. Uh, and so I, I did find, um, you know, I, it was kind of unexpected. I don't know why I didn't realize that they this would have been something they were to bring up um, as to, you know, Sam Wilson's reluctance to want to become Captain America. We get we get this this story of, of Isaiah Bradley, um, who was a, a one of the first um, like black super soldier, like super uh, excuse me. What is it? This like the super soldier serum? You right, know, right. Recipients. So he was, he was basically uh, after Captain America, Steve Rogers. The U.S. was trying to, uh, to recreate the serum and reproduce the same effects, and so they got very experimental, and uh, at one point turned their attention to, uh, to to black soldiers who were not treated with the same uh, niceties that the white soldiers were. Yeah, and you know, and it's just like, wow, I didn't even, I mean, it's not, I didn't even fathom that. And then, so this this article I found was written by the Hollywood Reporter, talks about how this is actually like this is from actual Marvel lore. There was a, a yep. comic book, uh, a Marvel issue um, in the Captain America realm, titled "Truth: Red, White, and Black," uh, by the late Robert Morales. Um, which explored like the past experiments of minorities trying to protect, uh, trying as the government was trying to perfect the super soldier serum, um, and like when you read about like the publication history, and it, it says like when you know when Disney uh, acquired Marvel in two thousand nine, like uh, that this issue of like of this comic it just went out of the print and hasn't been republished since um, I think what was it two thousand three. Um, and it was also very poorly reviewed uh, or uh, by um, a lot of the fans at the time. They thought that this painted Captain America in a, in a very bad light. Um, so, and it just yeah, kind of goes to add on to like the narrative of like why uh, Isaiah Bradley, uh, you know, his his importance to, you know, both representation and like how he was treated, you know, both. I mean, I- fictitiously and in real life. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like you said, kind of like it's life imitating art. Um, I mean, you because said it, I, I, I I agreed. Did I? Well, it's <laughs> like you, it's like you agreed. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's I I would have to think like if I like I'm not I don't want to you know think that Disney said oh we don't want this particular story out there for people to see uh, when we purchase Disney. But, uh, or when we purchase Marvel, excuse me, but I think the you know, the fact that they are broaching this subject in this show, that they, obviously, it's going to get a very mass appeal, it's going to get a huge audience, uh, it shows a level of trust and, uh, um, honesty, um, that, that they have with the subject material that again like i you know that that maybe they they maybe didn't have right away maybe it's like hey we're just getting our hands on this we're just getting this cinematic universe off the ground 
you know, maybe that they felt was not the time to bring up a very troubled story, a story about a very troubled past um, of, of one of the characters they wanted to have as an icon for their, you know, upcoming franchise. Not saying it's the right thing to do, but the fact that now that we are getting into it, into kind of like the deeper lore surrounding Captain America and his legacy, I think they it it's it's good on them to finally you know acknowledge the Isaiah Bradleys of the world because obviously Isaiah Bradley as a comic book character is very much you know inspired by the stories of like the Tuskegee Airmen right um and but- and the real actual horrible experimentation that the U.S. government did to black soldiers. Um, and, and the just awful, awful things that, uh, they had to endure in secret because of, uh, the government. You know, that there's, I think there's two ways of looking at it, that being one. And then the other being like, you know, you look at the context of the, the at least the, the comics, the story that the story was told in that this took place, you know, before Captain America came out. Like, I know in the show they talk about Isaiah Bradley came after Captain America, but in this in the comics it's that he came, I mean, it was like a prequel story to, like, that's, we got Captain America because of, like, the sacrifice and, and the torture that Isaiah Bradley, uh, along with countless others, went through, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, that says one thing. And then additionally, like, what if, you know, what if Disney was just trying to save face and saying like, Oh, we need to get rid of this because uh, we don't even know how to incorporate this now. Like you kind of say, and you know, maybe we'll, we'll do the justice it deserves later. But at the same time, like it, it just seems very easy for them to be like, Oh, let's not deal with this now. And we'll wait. Cause what if it wasn't even, you know, what if it wasn't until Spellman came along and said, Hey, I want to bring this into the thing, you know, or like Kevin fight. And then he has to have the conversation with Kevin Feige and Disney saying like, you know, because I mean, this, this is publication history we're talking at this point. But, I mean, yeah. in, in, in the end, like, I'll, I'll say that um, now that it's here and it's available for all of us, like, I think that they did say that the um, there's a digital versions of these issues of, like, of truth uh, mm-hmm. that are available now on Marvel's website and that you can, I mean, physical copies of reprints don't really come out very often unless they're in, like, yeah, collected I mean, volumes. That's, that's, um, that's... that's pretty common just for comics in general not exactly yeah Um, but um i i think though that what what really makes you know what might have been like the reason they chose now to do it is because it is so central to the theme of the story that falcon and the winter soldier is tackling which is the passing on of the shield the passing on of the mantle of captain america and like you know, as much as Sam is the inheritor of Steve Rogers' will, Isaiah Bradley was the inheritor of the the weight on Steve Rogers' shoulders. Yeah. Uh, with none of the glory attached to it. And the struggle he goes through is so central to uh, understanding Sam's point of view that, you know... I, I gotta give the show credit. They don't tackle everything with as much elegance and grace as they do others, but I think they did this part really well. And listen, as it comes when it comes to like superhero shows, 
I I think in superhero movies, you don't get this kind of mature storytelling. Listen, like, not to throw someone under the bus, but... You know, Zack Snyder literally used the term like, oh, my my movie when talking about his Snyder cut is my movie's for grown-ups because it has cursing and violence. And I'm like, you sound like a not, you and know, not 13 because year it's old. like thematically like this is something that probably you need a certain maturity level to to understand and Right. I mean this know. is this was a real like yes, it might be about strong men who got special juice that made them punch well. But, I mean, this is still racial politics. This is still about the government hiding secrets from its people. This is still about the government abusing its people and... I mean, yeah, it it, it brings up racial injustice. Um, It brings up, like, you know, the the ideal American image and what that was seen to have been. Um, and, And just, like, kind of all these practices that were in play that, I mean, very reflective of both past and modern day society, uh, as we've seen in this last year and in the last, you know, 100, 300, I mean, I don't even know how many years at this point. Um, But it's it's actually, I mean, it's nice that these things are coming out uh, in the way that they are. I feel like even, you know, this section of the show does or addresses this divide a little more effectively, um, a little more nuanced in parts of like maybe what Watchmen was trying to do. I mean, I feel like, in a way, Watchmen, uh, the series, was almost like, it was just, like, very overt racism, in a way. Uh, like, right, toward, toward right. the end, versus this one, or at least, like, it was addressing that. Versus this, this was this, this is, was more about, like, systemic societal exactly. racism. Like, you know, even stuff of, like, that really, you know, tough scene of, of when, after their first visit with Isaiah Bradley and uh, Sam and Bucky get into their their disagreement outside and the police come over and they're like, sir, is this guy bothering you? And you're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, just please God. No. You know, it's like you can't escape injustice anywhere. Um, And so it's, it's really, I think it's, it's, it's a nice, it was, it was really important that they do include things like this. Um, But, and I, and I love that, you know, uh, it, it ties into the characters like Isaiah Bradley. He wants nothing to do with his history. He wants nothing to do with the Captain America name. He hates it. He thinks the shield should be thrown out. It's it. None of it is good. But Sam, he's able to to kind of he he takes the shield by the end. He accepts the shield and he says, you know, no, I'm you know, I'm going to. I'm going to. He's not going to right the, the wrongs, but he's going to establish like a new, like, exactly, a, new, exactly. A, a more modern and more inclusive and and, and a newer uh, agenda for for the shield, rather. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, let's let I mean, let's kind of shift to Sam because he carried the series a hundred percent. Anthony Mackie did such a good job embodying this character, who, you know, from a personality level. He he is the inheritor of Steve Rogers' will. He is he is every bit as heroic and understanding as Steve Rogers was. Yeah. Um. And you know, he, I love that you know they tie in that he used to he used to help uh uh veterans uh back in Civil War and. Uh, and or it was a, it was Winter Soldier that we got in his very his introduction. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, I was going to say. I so didn't you'd know make where... you look very cool around the VA. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, but, you know, his whole introduction was, you know, he helped people deal with, uh, deal with you know, the, like, the stuff they were going through. And so like you can see that when... And, and any lingering things that... Exactly. Yeah. So when he, you know, when he goes to confront uh, Carly Morgenthau... You know, his first instinct is to not to attack her, but to talk to her and understand what she's going through. And it's like, that's like, that's like real heroics. I know there are people who they just want to see these people punch and kick and kick ass and all that stuff. But this is like, I'm like, this is a real hero. I was going to say, because I mean, that that's kind of our, 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 both the conflict and the, the resolution in the end is because of that skill that Sam has. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we come to the end of the show and it's like because of his ability to listen and understand and try to empathize with his enemy um, and also to make, you know, his uh, I don't it's not like his leaders also like seeing hear the voice of reason like mm-hmm. like he was the conduit in which Carly's uh, agenda was seen into fruition, maybe not as violently. Um, yeah, right. But also, which is which which was the necessary change that needed to happen was exactly you know obviously her message was not getting across by her by her methods but at that point she was too deep into it to stop. Uh, we'll we'll get to Carly in a second, but no, but man, I, I I do enjoy like all all of Sam's um, from beginning to end. Like he had actually, you know what? He was kind of under fire from of from all sides. Well, that see, that's what I wanted to talk about because uh, I, they did this really smart thing with this series because uh, at the end of Endgame, uh, Steve gives Sam the shield. He says, it's mm-hmm. yours. I want you to have it. And if they had picked up this series and he was Captain America, I almost feel like they could have gotten away with that if they wanted to. Like, all right, he's Captain America. That's you know, that's this is how things are. But they were smart, and they said, "No, we're going to make it about him becoming Captain America and about him, uh, uh, you know what that what that really means." And yeah. one of the parts I really liked is that right off the bat, it it has its statement of intent is you know a black man is going to be taking over the role of Captain America, and it knows right away that that is going to upset some real piece of shit people because there were there are people in the he even mentions in the series that he's like there are people I can feel it even just by holding the shield there are people who are going to be very upset they're pieces of shit but they they are going to be upset yeah. about this whole thing and you know they when the show came out and they said, hey, you know, this is what it's going to be out. We're going to be talking about some rough, you know, real life politics that affect people in this country every day. And there are people saying, oh, why do you have to make the show all about politics? And oh, oh my God, why can't it just be a superhero show? And blah, I mean, blah, blah, I, don't, blah. I don't think people realize that, you know, all these things come from, you know, reflections of what we're really <laughs> Ex, you know, exactly. experiencing. That's what writers Ex- do. Exactly. But I, but I love that the show validates its own arguments by just existing. Yeah. It's, it says, it says, yeah, there's going to be people who have a problem with, with uh, a black man taking on the, the role of Captain America. And then you have people in the actual audience, pieces of shit, mind you, but people in the audience going, Hey, I don't like that. They're making a big deal about this. Yeah. 
Um, it's um, not. I mean, I think they're doing a great job with that. You know, that being one of the issues that Sam is experiencing with this, like it's both like it's it's his duty to Steve. It's his duty to like the public or like the image that like the shield represents and that he understands mm-hmm. and he knows what is going on. And I guess that's like the sense of what like that's why he let the government handle it. Well, I guess it, not intentionally he did that. Um, but, you, you know, he's really dealing with a, a, a lot of different crises uh, externally and internally like that. I mean, he's being pulled apart in like 20 different directions. So the fact that he comes out on the very end and stands on top, I think some of the, you know, resolutions they gave him in the end, uh, they were kind of lame. Plus um, the Captain America stuff, more of his personal issues with, you know, his his whole family storyline. Um, I just, you know, at one point I just felt like, all right, we're just watching a commercial now. Um, <laughs> but that's not his fault. Like, I think they should have focused more on some of the, uh, on, I mean, they did. They, you know, I just think there's some excess on the show. You know, some things that we didn't necessarily need, or that were, you know, I would say in of... comparison, I would say in comparison to some of the other um, less good elements of the show, uh, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute. Uh, I'd say his his personal stuff, it, it was it was fine for the most part. It wasn't anything, you know, noteworthy, but it but it was it was fine. Yeah. Um. um... But no, overall, I I really liked how they characterized him in this, uh, in in this uh, format, because you yes. know what he did carry with that like that, you know his the necessity that he has to go and help people like you know he tries to help his family and even in things that he doesn't even understand at this point because he's been so detached from that world, you know when we come to find him he's still like doing contracts for the government, mm-hmm. uh, and like you know doing air attacks and just really cool awesome battles and stuff like that and you know when you look at let's let's talk about some of the production of the show like they made him look amazing they made him look so badass more than any other i mean now that he's got the spotlight he is living in it and it's awesome the canyon uh uh you know big like air battle uh, from that first episode was fantastic uh never once was i like oh that looks shaky i was like this flight looks fantastic the i mean uh, i think the choreography of it looked awesome i think there were some parts where i think like some of like the rendering and coloring i'm like ah you know i feel like it's a little off but you know know i'm not gonna say anything because this is still super badass and i'm really enjoying it so why would i nitpick it (laughs) yeah i i think they did a really good job another uh thing i liked seeing was just like you know he elects not to use uh to take the super soldier serum in fact he's asked to if he would and he without even like hesitations like no i don't want it and getting to see him have these workarounds to fighting enemies with super soldier serums using his suit using his wings using the the you know thruster on the back of his of his wings was really cool um, I would say, you know, it, when we get to the, the latter parts of the show, uh, I like it more. But, like, where, you know, when we get to the point where, like, in the beginning where he's facing these threats and then, like, to that point, that middle section where it's just, like, mm-hmm. his training and all that, I was not into any of that. <laughs> I, th- I think that's representative of a very older, of an older form of television that we have moved past. Even movies have moved past. 
And I'm like, why are we still doing this? Why did we waste part of a $25 million budget in this episode for like 15, almost what it felt like 15 minutes of just uh, running and jumping and throwing the shield and high-fiving your nephews and like doing backflips and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> oh, whatever. In gym whatever. shorts, nonetheless. And it's, like, it's, hard, is- it's hardly the worst thing about this show. Let's, I don't uh, know. That's one of the, the worst. For me, that's yeah. like... One of my let's, top five uh, things. Let's let's switch it over. Let's talk about the other half uh, of the this paradigm. Uh, let's talk about the Winter Soldier, uh, also known as Bucky, because man, he finally got some much needed depth in humanity. Yeah, he. I love the idea that he's haunted by his past. He has nightmares of of all the horrible shit he's done to people, and. And he's just, you know, like, he goes and he goes to therapy and he he goes and finds people who he has wronged in the past and he makes amends to them. And the people he can't, he hasn't worked up the courage to confront, he still tries to make their lives better, like Mr. Nakajima, who he yeah. eventually opens up to. But even before then, he's just spending time with him because he doesn't think he can tell him. I, uh, I, I really, truth. Like, I really like his, uh, like the whole morale behind it, though. Right? It's like he's been trying to make amends with himself for his own sins instead of trying to make amends with the people that he hurt, and right. and you know, doing not what he thinks is right, but what actually is right. And like that conflict right there, it's innately human. Um, you know, it shows like you know, expectation versus reality and all that. And it's just like, oh man, like. Yeah, the the talking to that Sam gives him in the second to last episode is pretty pretty solid, you know. I I, I loved every little part of it. And um, I want to give a just a just you know what it was the Emmy reel. Uh, I want I want to see Sebastian Stan in that Emmy reel next year because uh, the scene from the beginning of the whole world is watching, which is episode four of the series, when. Io is it's a flashback to Wakanda and she is running through the words the the trigger words for the winter soldier mm-hmm. and the look on his face of just pure just fear and sadness giving way to like shock and elation that it that the words no longer work I mean he delivers it so well. I saw so many people saying it that like thank you Sebastian Stan for taking a, a concept that could have been kind of silly uh, and and not phoning it in. Like, thank you for showing up to work, for giving it 100% in a scene like this, because that, he showed such intense emotion in, like, what, two minutes? I, honestly, like, I don't, at that point, I feel like if that's peak Bucky, as, as of so far, like, I have no idea. I mean, I, it, he could only go up and I hope that they treat him like that. Like, like, where are we going to see him go from here at this point? You know, like he is, uh, he's our last link to like the, uh, the older Captain America the story. Guard. And the thing is like, in a way he kind of, it, it, it's, we need to move outside of the shield, outside of the shadow of the shield, even though I know his, his name's in line somewhere, but like, you know, he doesn't <laughs> need that. He's, he's his own, he's coming to his own, you know? Yeah, and I'm really excited absolutely. to wear, where he moves on past the show. You know, I you know, there were a couple of tidbits that I, I didn't notice myself. I in fact I read these first. Um, a user on Reddit uh, kind of talked about this small character nuance where 
they're like, oh, why didn't you use your uh, vibranium arm? And like Bucky says, oh, I'm left-handed. You know, yeah. Like, and if you go back and look at the, you know, the past uh, Winter Soldier appearances, anytime he's the Winter Soldier, he's always using his right hand. But anytime he's Bucky, he's always using his left hand as his dominant hand. And it's like, oh, there you go, dude. Like, that's awesome. It, like he, he's. I mean, maybe that's not him, and that's uh, you know all the Marvel higher ups and writers and all the other major contributors to the show. But uh, you know, Sebastian Stan delivered it and gets the whole slice of the pie. So I can't uh, <laughs> can't deny him that. I really uh, I really liked him from beginning to end. Even all like the action that he did, like um, I just you know same thing with Sam. It's like I like how they didn't give Sam machine guns in this show, like they did in yeah. all the other things. Like I like that he had you know like you said like. He's using his other tech or his other skill sets. And same thing with Bucky. Bucky doesn't have a giant gun anymore. Um, <laughs> like, you know. He, he does get a pistol at one point, but he doesn't yeah, shoot it. He that, he opens his hand and he reveals that he didn't actually have the bullets in it. And the bullets fall all slow motion-like. Yeah. So, but, I, like, at that point, you know, um, I, I'm just happy that they were able to go and I mean, of course, they wanted to play with like close combat, close quarters fighting, and it's like, oh, you know, you can't deny them that. Um, that <laughs> it's all good fun, especially with like, uh, you have this like action show. Yeah, make the best out of it. We don't need to see all these gunfights. We have John Wick for something like that, you know. Right. We right. have the Punisher and all that, and the Punisher gets bloody, you know. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about it earlier, but like that show gets gruesome, and not even with yeah. just guns, with everything. Um, uh, I love. Um, I think though, the one of the, the best gems of this entire show is is neither in uh, Sam or Bucky, but it's in uh, our our new Captain America. Oh gosh, this John, guy, John Walker, played Who, by Wyatt Russell. Yeah, man. Th- so seeing him, he seemed for the first time at the end of the first episode, and I remember there was all the memes of like the old man from up <laughs> with the captain America helmet on. But, and it's funny cause it, it, he got immediately, he got the exact reaction that he was supposed to get. Uh, and Wyatt Russell, uh, even said, and listen, it's okay to like something, but don't be a fucking weirdo. Cause Wyatt Russell said he got death threats after his first appearance uh, in the series as new Captain America. Yeah. And, my God, like, you do, like, I hope the people understand, like, you're not supposed to like him. (laughs) You know, I think he was really great, non-likable, punchable face kind of character, especially when we started getting him, you know, in the... You know, in the show, what was his like major first major role? Was in like in episode three, or was it two? Mm-hmm. Um, and two was like that was like his big like introductory moment. Yeah, but I th- I think it's like it's a one. Um, it was a great foil to like I know we got it announced a little earlier that they would have this character in like before the show came up. Um, but like seeing how they would implement him, and like you know, the rejection that he would receive from, like, Sam and Bucky when trying to work with them, and then later, like, the competition, the competitiveness that he he would... Um, he, I mean, it, it was yeah, just yeah. all... I, I, I'm I a little fumbled up right now with my words. Excuse me. <laughs> um, no, he did, he did a good job. He, he 
he embodied the the other side of uh, uh, Erskine's talk to to uh, Steve Rogers back in the first Captain America because he told him you know you need to be not a not a good soldier, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. You know, Steve Rogers was a good man. John Walker is a perfect soldier because he and does what he's thing. told. Oh, he doesn't. Man. He doesn't worry about how dirty the job is. He does what he's ordered to do, and uh, he is a man of very deep emotion. He's a, like lets his uh, anger do the talking sometimes. Like there's a scene when the guy spits in his face. Um, uh, when he when he and he's he's like, do you know who I am and stuff? Uh, a lot of times his scenes would end, and I would just kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, because he was just kind of pathetic through a lot of it on purpose, obviously. But um, but obviously all the pity goes out the window when he uh takes that wonderful wonderful shield and severs a man's head with it. Dude, can I talk about some of the things like, because that is probably like my favorite moment in the entire show, you know, like, well, one, he, yeah, he embodies this like the perfect military soldier, like and like mm-hmm. also what at least you we see as like modern military culture, you know, he has that strong sense of duty and honor. And then we also get like little bits and pieces of like the backstory and like the things that they've experienced between him and Lamar and also like the, the brotherhood that they share, like as like, I mean, they've, they've been in like the same unit or, and now they're also like captain America and Battlestar, uh, whatever that means, <laughs> yeah. like that relationship right there. Um, and then we get like when, once Lamar is done, like his, his brother in arms is gone. Uh, you know, He's already been done some questionable things up to that point, but now it's Definitely. like the, the switch has been flipped. Um, and the iconic um, and honorable shield has been tainted with like the, the, the literal blood of the enemy. Um, and it was captured in front of the entire world. And people, I mean, not even Steve Rogers, I think, ever got like a, a tiny drop of blood on that shield. Uh, it got blowed up. It got it was exploded. It was burned. It was it was. He, uh, I think he got he got alien blood on it, but oh, that's okay. about it. That listen, you know, as aliens don't him. count. Yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> Zach. I'm I'm talking ex- extraterrestrials, like aliens, meaning other people from other countries. They count. They do count. Right. But not <laughs> not a, not green skin aliens from outer space. But um, like, oh my god, talk about. That, and then, like, he gets almost court-martialed right after. I like the um, the process. Uh, but, you you know, you, you brought up a fun... You, uh, not, you haven't brought it up yet, verbally, but in your notes that I saw. You, we got, we kind of were left off with this uh, lingering feeling after that moment that after, uh, you know, he was stripped of his Captain America role, that he would be driven kind of to a place of, like, Dude, I thought Mad and, and and more antagonist. I thought, yeah, I thought he was gonna be like, you know, listen. There is the famous, like, the famous shot from the comics of like, you know, John Walker as U.S. agent with his shield jumping over Sam Wilson as Captain America with his shield, and like they're in the middle of a fight and stuff. And I thought that was where we were going, and maybe we'll get there eventually. But you know, 
when when at the so in episode four he kills he, a man with the shield. He shows up and thinks he can keep doing the right thing. Like what? But but like they had a whole scene of of Bucky and Sam beating the shit out of him, taking like breaking his arm, taking the shield, and and then at that point Sam has claimed the shield for himself. He's gonna do the right thing. He's gonna be Captain America, and we get this cool mid credit scene of of John Walker forging his own shield, which, uh, which I don't did, know, which I, did fuck all. Yeah, I was going to say because like not like that thing was made of anything besides like you know your spare products in your home, dude. What did right. you expect? Like, but uh, but man, uh, it, I they really, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but the way visual storytelling works, that that whole that that illusion second to last. That second to last episode really screamed. This guy's gonna go off the deep end, and he's gonna be the big problem they have to they have to ultimately overcome. But I, no, I think I mean, that would have been a, a stronger version of the antagonist too, because you know we were given two almost antagonists in the show. So I guess one was the primary, and then one was like uh, 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 a replay almost. Um, yeah, I would say. Really. I would say we're we'll get into like I think uh, a handful of things after we finish talking about John Walker that I feel didn't work or or didn't live up to what they were what they should have. But did you yeah, have another note ended. on John Walker you wanted to add? Well, just that you know he has this whole thing with uh, the Valentina Allegra de Fontaine where oh. she just shows up. She's like, "Here's my card. It's blank. I'll call you. Don't call me." And then at the end, he gets his black suit. And I guess they're setting him up as a you know. I don't want uh, him on the good guy team, Zach. No, I no, do I, don't, not, I don't. I do not want that. I don't think they're doing that. I think that he they're either setting up the Thunderbolts, which is like Marvel's Suicide Squad, okay. or they are setting up. I don't know. It's I gotta see maybe. He, he has plenty of time to become a, a bad guy again. I want him to be a bad guy because yeah, that's. I, I do not like where we left off with him. But um, let's let's talk about another uh, a few things that just did not you know that had a lot of potential and just just did not reach their the the pinnacle of what they could have been. The first being Zemo because Daniel Rule, terrific actor, as we've said. He comes back and like, you know, when you think of Zemo, at least in the sense of how he was portrayed in Civil War, he's a schemer, he is uh, a backstabber, and he's really good at getting inside your head and making you do things and making you trust him and then screwing you over. Yeah. And that's kind of where it felt like they were going with him and then it just he it just peters out like i'm sorry he gets the mask they build him with that he was going to have the mask and he wore it for one scene and, and then and that was that and then and then like yeah after like there's the whole scene when um sam bucky and uh john walker all fight the dora milaje and as they're all getting their asses kicked, Zemo just kind of excuses himself and runs. And you're like, oh, shit, he's on the loose now. And that's, that's this is where it happens. This is where he reveals that it's all been part of his plan. But then he literally, like, Bucky shows up to the 
uh, <laughs> the monument in Sokovia, and he's like, okay, I'm ready to go back to prison now. You know what I, I feel, though? Like, I, I don't want to say that this is all, it all falls on Zemo. Because, you know what, I think he was only the way he was because of the fact that, like, we're revisiting the whole super soldier serum thing again, and, you know, he hates it, and he wanted to destroy all the other winter soldiers in Russia before, and right. want. And it, so it's like, it's a product of that that I'm like, okay, I guess, like, you know, he's just, he's just filling in all the, uh, all the plot points that they need him to, and, you know, that was just his role, and, you know, like, he got that one great uh, meme moment um yeah i mean which i love his character his characterization up until like the last couple of episodes was great like even when it's like the he shot carly morgenthau Mm. and she spilled out the the vials of the serum onto the floor and he stares at them for a minute and there's a moment i'm like oh is he gonna go against his morals is he gonna kind of back backpedal on everything he's kind of i, I don't know set up until this point and he per, doesn't he, per, he smashes them personally i don't feel like there was ever a moment where he uh where he was going to take it oh first. no no i didn't i didn't think he would but i was i was almost like i i was thinking of it more of a sense of like had did the writers kind of like forget this aspect of his character but then i said okay no 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 they had him smash it true to his character were cool. I, like, I, I, I like just, in the end, his also plot to like he blew up the rest of them and make sure no loose yeah, end was left untied. I, I didn't. I hate guess that. it was it was, but it, 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 there's no lead up to it. it. It's all just like, oh, by the way, I'm still here. Boom, and then we're supposed to understand that he orchestrated that whole thing from inside the raft. I don't know. Uh, listen, I I still think personally that uh, he is a result. Uh, of the even lesser of uh, desirable antagonists of this, which, which are the, the flag smashers, I do not. Yeah, I do not like them by name. I I don't think they were very strong in the show overall. Um, they are they are definitely the weakest link of this whole series. Carly Morgenthau, she she's definitely not Marvel's worst enemy. I still give that honor to Malekith from Thor: The Dark World. Malekith but, uh, still has a better costume design my opinion sure that's true um but i think i yeah i think that the whole thing of the flag smashers to me it reeks of rewrites and reshoots where they and and it is actually really interesting um i will give a shout out to the youtube channel nando v movies where he has a video where he talks about a what he believes was a rewrite they made midway through the uh, uh, production of the series where originally the series was supposed to be about a pandemic and it was supposed to be about uh, the Flag Smashers were trying to get uh, vaccines and it was... I I would say just go check out his video because the way he breaks it down... Was it too on the nose? I don't know if it was too on the nose or Marvel just Marvel and Disney just didn't want to cover that ground or whatever, but it makes sense when you hear him talk about it. I'm not saying that it's definitive that that's what it is, but uh, okay. it kind of like it almost things things make more sense as to their motivations when you factor in that kind of thing. And because at this point, like you go like, okay, what do they want? They want to get supplies for displaced people after the blip 
and they want to remove borders from countries and they are opposed to the uh what's the the government agency the GRC or whatever yeah and which then, I, it's like all their um all of their uh like their reasons i i mean i they're all understandable and and like i you know i like i think they're strong enough like um uh like what what would you call them uh i can't believe i'm i'm blanking on all my mm-hmm. words tonight i swear to god <laughs> it it's like these but, are all really good um like motivations uh, yeah motive bingo jesus oh god christopher <laughs> get on your game these are all great motivations but i think just because like i don't i don't think carly was as well thought out as they thought she was um, no absolutely not I, honestly I, 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 all times, these other guys as well like i just i didn't understand like at times i think <laughs> Yeah, I, I I feel there were plenty of moments where I was just like, okay, I'm not gonna worry about what they're doing. They're they're just extremists to move the plot forward, and so yeah. it was a little bit it was a little bit more palatable then. But yeah, there's just you know the most developed flag smasher besides Carly was the guy who grew up idolizing Captain America, who then was you know beheaded by Captain America. So yeah. They're, you know, I, they're, they're just a, a group of baddies that are, uh, I, I feel like a lot of times you, Marvel... you got one of them saying to Carly, like, are we the baddies? Right. But, but, okay. I, I feel like so often, and it's something that Marvel's been much better about getting over, which is the, the, the villain problem where the villains don't have much of a personality and much of a, of a, um, motivation or even like an agency and and really the the villains are just there to serve a, to to play against the hero to bring out the heroic aspects of the main character I'm, and I'm th- sorry that that's... not everybody could be Loki Zach and have well, like no, no, all no, that I'm... development over time well no but I'm just saying that's what a lot of like you know when you look at a lot of movies um in the MCU the the weak villains are usually they they're very you know blank because they're not there to be the main character they're there to bring out the heroic qualities of the hero and that is what we get here carly morgenthau she's not a very good villain she's not a very interesting villain she's not a very compelling villain but she allows for the show to demonstrate sam's compassion and his you know how he will first try to talk to his enemy and reason with them before he resorts to violence. Yeah. And so in that, it's you know fine if they are literally just a stand-in enemy just for the sake of showing what a great guy Sam is. I'm all for it. Um, you know, you I, know what's interesting that you say that is like I think about Zemo and I'm like, wow, you know, if that's the case, then I think he'd be one of the better villains that they've ever had. Just because I I think that his internal monologue and just like his motivations for everything and like what we've just seen of him, um, mm-hmm. I I think it it's um, I don't know I just think he was developed pretty well and it, it yeah, it's because, good. Hey, because it's... of their focus of the flag smashers they miss an opportunity to like to continue to explore Baron Zemo as yeah. as Baron Zemo too not just as Zemo helmet Zemo is what they call them in the right right civil war and i think uh 
Yeah, I mean, Zemo... I, I like that he never lost his edge, though. Like, he, there are multiple points. He is actively trying to kill Carly, Morgenthau. Yeah. Um, and it, it's an interesting thing that the villain... The, who, the people who are supposed to be the villain, the Flag Smashers, often come across as the victims in all of this, which is... It's the point. You know, that we're supposed to pity them because they are... They are uh, what do you call it? Oppressed peoples. And right. so we're supposed to be like Sam and we're supposed to see the good and the bad. So there it is. But um, the last character who I feel really got uh, not, not the best treatment here was Sharon Carter. Cause I mean, listen, if you, if, if they were just upfront with her being like a villain, I would be okay with it because I think the whole idea of like, hey, this whole group of people got pardoned after Civil War, uh, but she didn't, and she never got that freedom it, restored it, it to her. Would have been another stronger form of villain than Flag Smashers. Yeah, it's a really cool idea for an origin story of like, oh, shit. like you know, this is someone who was on our side, and we just turned a blind eye to her, and she took that really personally, like anyone would. Yeah. And now she is funding and, you know, giving serums and weapons to some dangerous people. You know, she she went overseas and she got a bunch of power and now she's giving it out. And uh, that's actually a really cool motivation for a villain that goes absolutely nowhere. Um, and also, it's like, like, I get it. They were just trying to, like, set her up as, like, a future big bad, you know? You know, it's someone, someone that's a person that someone's going to have to take down in a future movie or series. But, like, literally in the last episode, Carly is, like... What if, what if they like, give her, like, the crossbones treatment? That, like, she gets, like, the opening fight in, like, Captain America 4? Uh, I would not but, like, like that's that. It. I would be like, dude, what a all wasted that, All that for nothing. No, yeah. I want her to be the central villain of, like, maybe, like, she'll come back in Miss Marvel or something. I don't know. Or, or She-Hulk. Something that's very grounded on Earth, you know. But, you know, now she has access to the government and all the government secrets and stuff. Um, but, I I don't know. I think the whole thing with, like, her and Carly, where, like, you know, in the final episodes, like, they get into a fight. And she's like, I'm, I'm the power broker and you're going to do what I say. And Carly's like, but I have a gun. And then Sharon just gets shot. <laughs> And I go like, okay, power broker, you've been shot in the stomach, and now you're dying. So like, you know, it's you know, so funny. I didn't need her to be the power broker at all. No, she could have just been like cool, like Lady Hydra or something. Like, I, well, I mean, I it's not that I didn't. I mean, listen, if we were gonna go the route that she wasn't the villain, which I mean, I guess is not the way that went. Like, I felt like that wasn't even, and maybe I just missed the mark on this, or I didn't even, I was not being very attentive audience member but like mm -hmm. when they I, I read it online first that like oh is sharon carter the power broker and i'm like what <laughs> like who cares just watch the show and it's like you know then uh it was revealed and then everybody on the internet is like oh i knew it that was it that was you set it up for them like oh okay good job internet like once again <laughs> you're putting up the you theories that i'm like uh you just you could have just let anything be anything. What you know? if, but Chris, but Chris, what if instead of Power Broker, she was like, I'm not Sharon Carter, I'm Ralph Boner. 
you know, uh, not great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I don't know. She, I, I like the idea that if she were to have been just one of the main antagonists, that would have been a better, you know, way of navigating the show. But she wasn't that, and, you know, whatever. Like, I guess all we'll I know. All I know is that going forward in the MCU, we've got three new villains we've got to look out for. We've got U.S. Agent, we've got Power Broker, and we've got Zemo's, like, 100-year-old butler, <laughs> <laughs> who's just who's just car-bombing people. <laughs> you better open up a space for him in the raft. Um, um, I'll, let me ask yeah. you, though, is... is did they decide that U.S. agent will be an antagonist if the government gave him a, a black U.S. agent suit? I don't know. I think... I, I, I honestly think they're going to put him on, on, like, the new Avengers or whatever the hell they're going to do. I don't, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think you can't have, like, hey, it's, you know, uh, new Hawkeye and new Ironheart and new Captain America and new Thor and new everybody, and they're all much better and they're all pretty much good guys and the one dude who just chops chopped a guy's head off in broad daylight no yeah i'm pretty sure like i said they're either setting him up to be a uh a the main antagonist or one of the antagonists for uh the upcoming freshly announced after the end of the the after the release of the final episode they were they announced uh that Anthony Mackie will be leading a Captain America four, which is very exciting. Um, you know, maybe U.S. Agent becomes the main antagonist of that, and then we get a really solid movie where we don't need any build up because we've already established these characters. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, listen, that's the thing. It's like I, I think my biggest critique for this show is that it spent a lot of time doing things that. That didn't seem very uh, Captain America of them. That was, it was not very cash money at all. And I'm talking <laughs> about like $25 million of cash money. Um, yeah. So I, if anything, like I, I'm, I thought that I don't want any more series like this. Cause you know, I don't, I don't feel like they wasted a bunch of time in WandaVision. You know, I feel like everything in WandaVision was, was super important, including just all like the regular TV stuff that was important to build the world versus some of this stuff. It's like, are we ever well, going to see Sam Wilson's sister again? You know, no, like pro- well, she might show up in in the movie, but it's funny. Yeah, the, the two uh, series that have come out so far uh, were both in service of setting up movies because obviously WandaVision is going to feed into uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. and this will go on to be Captain America Four, whatever they end up calling it. Electric. But, um, there you go. But. I, I'm interested, you know, with when we get to, like, Loki. Like, I don't think there's going to be a Loki movie after um, after the series. Like, I I don't... WandaVision 100% is not going to get a season two. If that gets another season, it's going to be called, like, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And this one, I don't think is going to get a season two because uh, it's not Falcon and the Winter Soldier anymore. It's Captain America and the Winter Soldier, and they're Wait, getting their own movie. Zach, remember, there we do have a new Vision, though. Like, there is another Vision out there, like, new body, and then his There is. I, I don't think it's going to be WandaVision. Because okay. WandaVision was just a, a play on the, right. the idea of, like, it was television, you know? and, and was, So now, but now she's, like, officially the Scarlet Witch, so... Right. And so, and then we're getting Captain America 4. I don't think we'll get a... Uh, 
sequel uh, season two to this uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, But I do think we'll probably get multiple seasons of Loki with no uh, movie. Can I make a can I make prediction? Yes, please. And and quote me on this. I feel as if Loki is going to stand above both Falcon and Winter Soldier and uh, WandaVision. And I feel like you and I are going to have a lot better things to say about that one. I am so excited for Loki because Loki, because it deals specifically with like Loki fucked up the timeline and now they have to fix it. They are free to basically do whatever they want. Exactly. So there's going to be a lot of room for like just exploration of anything. You know, they're not bound by by like plot constraints and stuff. They can do whatever they want. I mean, it looks like in the trailers that Loki is DB Cooper, which is hilarious, dude. Um, Just I'm I'm excited for this, and and I wasn't before, but now after finishing both these shows, um, I I can say like this is going to be something worth the watch um and like continually so like i, th- I think sure. that people are I, going to want, am, to want to see this more than some of the other stuff i am very excited though for the hawkeye series because the comics it's based off of are great and there's a golden retriever in it and uh if you know me you know i like my golden retrievers um they're filming it right now right they're filming it right now I know they're working on Miss Marvel right now. Apparently, they're already working on She-Hulk. I saw like a set photo with uh, what's her name? The actress they have playing She-Hulk. Haley Steinfeld or Steinfeld. She's in is in Hawkeye. Yeah, she's playing uh, Kate Beckett, I believe. Okay, I could be. I think there's already set photos of her. Yes. Yeah, I could be totally wrong about that name though. She's Kate, Kate Bishop, Be- also Bishop. a Hawkeye. Kate Bishop. I said Kate Beckett. Kate Bishop, yes. And um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, MCU, it's not slowing down anytime soon. They got tons of stuff. But uh, I just want to talk about a couple of little just d- details in this, uh, you know, series that I've just felt like, you know, just I want to want to appreciate them. Uh Don Cheadle in the first episode, Dude. appearing as Rhodey. That was, was awesome. Really cool cameo. Uh, he's going to be getting his own series soon. Iron, uh, what is it, the uh, Armor Wars? We're finally going to get to pick up on that one line uh, next time. Yeah, except he had the next time. That was Iron Man 2. Right, but like cool... now it's like, it's like you know, imagine the last time we saw him, it's like, ah, next time I'll have my own. What if yeah. they do Armor Wars and it's Terrence Howard instead of Don Cheadle? What if it's Iron Wars and it's Don Cheadle, Terrence Howard, and Terrence Malick? <laughs> wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Uh, wouldn't it be uh, something? Something to think. You know, listen. T- talking about Terrence Howard, I'm not saying the man's not smart. I'm sure he's a very smart man, but what an idiot. Not an, I don't want to call him an idiot, but what a... I mean, how? He he refused to take a pay cut for the second film, which I guess, fine. You, you, should, you should be entitled to money. But man, he missed out on so much. He missed out on having his own series. But you know, think about it like this. Remember when Edward Norton said that he didn't... You know, he didn't do another Hulk and he doesn't regret it over the last couple of years because, like, you know, he also feels like as an artist or I guess as a performer, like, that... He doesn't know if that would be as fulfilling to him as as he'd like. Um, so you know, maybe maybe Terrence as well has that uh, 
That's true. Yeah, he, he got Empire, so so you know he had a show going on. That's whatever. That's good for him. Yeah. Uh, there's some shots in this uh, in this series that I thought were very uh, powerful shots. Like you said, the shot of John Walker standing with a bloodstained shield was pretty Stri- spectacular. Striking. I think that, I will remember that forever. That is. Oh, absolutely. That's going to become an icon of of the MCU going forward. But for me, I think the most impressive, the best shot of just like, this is like, you know, we're looking at like, you know, modern day mythology uh, is uh, Sam Wilson in his amazing, absolutely incredibly comics accurate uh, Captain America suit descending on the city street uh, with his wings spread, carrying uh, Carly Morgenthau's body. Dude, can I tell you what? Like, the, the chef's kiss moment for me was when he used his uh, his new vibranium wings uh, as an extension of his uh, new vibranium shield. shield and, like, did, like, a little shield dome. I'm like, that is a yeah. cool-ass move, number one. Number two, why... Why, why, why did it take so long for Sam to get vibranium wings? Uh, I feel like he has had those those wings messed with too many times. They were ripped off. They were crunched. They were, I mean, just how, like, did Steve never go like, hey, can we uh, can we hook this guy up, uh, T'Challa? Can we, uh, I, I, I he's think, my buddy, I think, so I need him. I, I think him. if, I think if uh, Steve Rogers had tried that, then T'Challa would have been like, check your privilege, white man. <laughs> But at the same time, if they were already prepping for uh, for Thanos, you know, like when they were in Wakanda that time, and they said, "And get this man a shield." What did they just have those, gotta, those hand shields yeah. ready to go? And and I think they, they did because them? okay, if they if they I were am, just ready, I'm pretty sure because like the time the 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 time frame of that uh, of that movie of those events is like minutes, like you know. They're, they're in Wakanda for maybe half an hour before Thanos' people attack. It makes me think, I wonder if uh, if in, in Black Widow coming out, if Taskmaster will pull out like a pair of wings and like do some, some fun stuff. Um, you never know. Exactly. I think he's going to stick to mainly like mainline Avengers. Oh, uh, but Sam, listen, Sam Wilson is Captain America. He is a mainline he is Avenger. Now. He is now. But remember, this is... Uh, this is set during uh, right, right after Civil War. Right, okay, we didn't we didn't we don't want your timelines in here. This is all speculation. <laughs> but uh, the last thing I want to mention is uh, just that the the fight scene with the Dormelage when Okoye just disarms Okoye or uh, Io. Excuse yeah. me. Oh my god, I'm horrible. Check your but, privilege yeah, again. When, yes, I will. But uh, Io when she just just uses her Wakanda tech and just drops Bucky's arm off of him. Dude. And the the look on his face and just like, you know, a lot of people were saying, like, there was one guy I remember seeing on the internet, one guy arguing, you know, that, that shows such a disrespect from Wakanda uh, toward Bucky. It's like, no, this is a guy who that's called, was like... like tactics. You know, yeah, that's, they're that's, in a fight. They're not on the same side right now. And that's also like just it's called like you know a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it. You call it just 
just being smart is like, hey, this is a guy who has a history yeah. of murdering people. We might want to put a failsafe in there just in case. Honestly, I uh, I liked it. And then I liked that right after. It's like, did you know they could do that? It's like, you think if I knew that they could do that, like, I would have let them? Something like <laughs> he that. Or like, cool, I know. arm spin. Yeah. So oh, also, I, also, man, when, oh my god, when John Walker goes up and he's like, listen, I got this. And he puts his hand on her shoulder and Io just like, you're like, oh, you poor dumb bastard. And she, they've already like impaled a, sh- a spear in the wall behind him. And so when she kicks him, he hits the spear and the spear does not budge an inch yeah and ah excellent stuff so like the the not so great parts of this series are not bad enough to take away from the absolutely awesome and wonderful and powerful moments of this uh series i uh i gotta say overall uh you know we got a lot of quality images here and um you know, lastly, just overall, new suits, I love them. They're great. Yes, absolutely. I am eager to see where all of this leads to. You know, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'll wait for a little bit. You know, I'll let this simmer a little more. Uh, as we said before, Loki's coming up. That's going to be awesome. I actually tried going on Fandango today to see if I could purchase tickets uh, to, uh, for Black Widow already. They're not on sale yet. Um, but I don't even think there's many, like, major theaters open around me uh as of yet so more and more every day oh i don't even know if i give you this update at least on the show but i am now like 100 percent vaccinated right now hey Um, i got my my second one uh like what was it a week ago um and yeah so i'm ready to get back to the movies uh with everybody this is your script or screen weekly reminder get vaccinated it's the smart thing to do uh you're gonna make your life a million times easier because you know they're not going to let people on planes without vaccine uh, uh, proof now. They're not going to let people uh, on cruise ships on. Uh, you know they're not going to let people into I, doctors' I, I would, appointments. I would, and I would stuff. say above, above all else, you know, it's just a smart thing as we move forward in into this year uh, and just help your fellow man. And woman exactly. Next to you. That's that's the uh, that's the the moral of this of a Falcon and Winter Soldier another, to one another. Exactly. And um, on that note, I will just say, uh, I you know we have a new Captain America. It's a new day. Uh, check out Falcon and the Winter Soldier if you haven't. If you've listened this far and you haven't seen the show. I don't know why you would spoil it for yourself like that, but uh, go check it out. Go check out um, uh, Invincible, because I'm enjoying it while I'm watching it. Go check out that video by Nando V Movies, uh, where he talks about the possible rewrites that this series went through uh, at, like, the 11th hour. Um, And that's all the shout-outs you'll get from me. Hey, you know what? Thanks, Zach, for all your lovely words on this episode of Script to Screen. Remember, you can always check us out on our website, www.scriptorscreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash screen. Hey, and you know what? There's also an Anchor app on the App Store. That's like Apple 
App Store, Google Play, you know, all that business. And you can find where you can listen to us. That's on all the social media platforms. That's on all the uh, the podcast listening platforms. We're everywhere. So do yourself a favor and subscribe to us. Like our stuff. Share our stuff. Let your friends know what you think about Scripture Screen. Let us know what you think about Scripture Screen. Leave us a comment. Send us a message. We would love to hear from you. I have been Christopher Kitchen. And I'm Zach Strachman. Thank you so very much, and have a wonderful day. Bye.